Hi everyone, this is Yarek Samuelov with the podcast and designer and today our guest is Alisa Boranova and we will be talking about how it is to work as a product manager with a UX design background and what skills product manager look into a good designer and some other fun stuff. Enjoy the show. Uh, I heard that you have design background. Yeah, when sort of. Started? Sort of. What sort of, it, yeah. What does it mean? Yeah, so it? I can tell you a little bit about my background and we can decide if it qualifies. I consider it a design background, but it depends what your definition is. Um, yeah, so my, ba- my, my background and so far as like what I studied, uh, like I did my undergrad completely unrelated to anything in technology or design. Um, it was actually in was philosophy. It was philosophy. in philosophy and book wow. and media studies. Um, so a lot of reading, a lot of like critical reasoning, which are like nice transferable skills to have, but not super employable, not super concrete uh, in terms of direction. Um, so what I did was I like shopped sir, around. What, sir, what would you do as a philosopher? Like, what was your um specification what was i thinking (laughs) (laughs) are you going to be like aristotle philosopher yeah so you'd be surprised like there there are some kind of more direct career paths like some organizations have like ombudsmen so people who are responsible for like ethical overview and things like that that would be like the most direct link i could think of but that's like a super rare position to come by um, the typical path for people who did my, my program, uh, would be to go to law school. So they say that it's like good preparation for writing the LSAT and things like that, just because it's oh. very heavily focused on like parsing these like very dense texts and kind of uh, like discerning what the arguments there are and how sound the reasoning is. And they say that that's pretty applicable to law. So that was my thinking. And I, I worked at a law firm for a few years, um, and was lucky to get some pretty close mentorship there from like actual practicing lawyers and all in all it made me realize like couldn't run faster in the opposite direction like really didn't want to be a lawyer <laughs> was there any other philosophers like i mean <laughs> no you're not really a philosopher you're more <laughs> yeah, a reader of philosophical texts um uh-huh. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Pe- people do it. Like I, I have friends who, but usually, typically, it's a path to a graduate degree. It's not, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but I have some friends, yeah, who who studied philosophy that's, in undergrad. That's or, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very interesting. I just never heard. Like I heard, but I never knew what, like, what would you do at the end? And you guys not you go have to law school. It's very like a philosophy degree in Russia, like it, in Russia. Yeah, I bet there is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just don't know what those people will do after. Yeah, fair. Neither do they. So that's the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, and how did you get to design? Yeah, so I, I kind of figured, like, once I decided that law school was a no, that I should uh, think of another graduate degree to do. Um, and the like my minor, which was in book and media studies, kind of had a direct relationship with the faculty of librarial studies at U of T. So it's called... Uh, like it's the former school of library studies and it's Mm -hmm. 
now known very funnily as the I school because they've kind of expanded um, like their definition of information studies from like the analog age towards like digital technologies and essentially they have degrees in different fields that deal with like the expression and consumption of digital information. So that's really broad, but like some programs, for example, mm -hmm. they have like archive studies, museum studies. Um, there was uh, one pathway that was called like culture and technology that was more so around like basing, uh, I would say like, eth like ethical issues as they relate mm -hmm. to emerging technologies. Um, and then there's also a faculty for UX design um, so not that I knew what UX design was at all at the time, but, mm -hmm. um, and honestly, like neither did the iSchool cause it was kind of a newer program there. And it was also a program that had evolved from, I think it was called, like, it was formerly called like knowledge media design, which was basically like kind of more closely related to like information communication so uh -huh. things like like what's a good example like there's a really clear pathway from like health informatics so like translating um medical health? records through oh, health informatics yeah so translating like medical records through digital visualizations and translating uh like scientific research and public health communications and that faculty kind of evolved into the user experience design faculty. Not that I know how they got there, but I think we were like, we were a very early cohort. Uh, I'm not sure like how far along the program was at the time, but you could tell like they were experimenting on us a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but they did a pretty good job. Like they had a really well-rounded faculty of um, people from across disciplines and it was pretty focused on like design thinking as it mm -hmm. applied to like a variety of industries um, and more so focused on kind of early stage design so like design thinking like uh, low fidelity wireframing and prototyping um, a lot of emphasis on user research and uh, like usability mm -hmm. testing um, but the reason I'm like hesitant to call it like a classical design background is because there wasn't a lot of like emphasis or really like cognizance of the like a visual design and B kind of yeah. how a design degree like that or how a UX design title translates to an actual workforce. Like they were still kind of figuring that piece out. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, but it was a really like really interesting and broad yet deep introduction into the world of design. Um, uh -huh. how, yeah. uh, how long was it? It was a two year program um, and we did a co-op as well. So I was working for eight months in there. Um, and that was, yeah, like as you would expect kind of where you get the bulk of learning. So they had uh -huh. like the school would try to connect you with job opportunities. Um, and as you know, junior UX roles, really hard to come by. So mm -hmm. the majority of those roles were kind of with the banks, um, which like for me, wasn't super appealing. Um, so <laughs> we were kind of like on our own to hunt for UX, like junior UX roles and internships. Um, and, you know, it's not like we were coming from OCAD or from like a really well-known design right. school. We were coming from U of T and kind of having to prove our value 
most of us coming with like, you know, knowledge of, uh, we were using like Agster, which mm -hmm. isn't even like, I didn't know what Envision was until I like started like my co-op program. Yeah. Um, Agster is pretty popular. Like, uh, I know, I know one UX firm, uh, it's called UX men. I will work together quite, uh, I don't know, a long time, I think a few mm -hmm. years for sure. Their specification is like UX. So we will do your like, I mean, they they do full spectrum of things, but they start with Azure always, always, all the time. And even we, I, we got a lot of resumes from people, and they say, "Yeah, Azure is like the thing I use." Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I haven't touched it in at this point a couple of years, but at the time, like, it's a really robust tool when it comes to what you can do for a, like a high fidelity prototype. Like, there are a lot of um, like interaction elements there that you can inject really easy like once you get familiar right pretty easily and that was that was the good thing about it is like at the end of the day the tooling is like transferable like you can always learn to use a new tool and they all kind of mimic one mm -hmm. another so mm -hmm. it ended up being such a big concern but um but yeah it is interesting that for like a program that purports to spit out ux designers there wasn't like as much of a like at least a and at the faculty level there wasn't as much of like they weren't so tuned in to like what people were using uh-huh so the, the the program actually was about theory not practic like at all no practic at all um no it was it was pretty practical yeah we had a bunch of it was actually very practical we had lots and lots of kind of case study based assignments so we would have like anything from as simple as like, I don't know, I took a class that was just on rapid wireframing where we would just like oh. madly sketch the whole class. And through that class, we would have like different assignments ranging from like the really mundane, like redesign this mobile banking interface uh -huh. to That's like cool. design this, an interface for this dating app that has all of these like crazy technical constraints. So it was, it was pretty practical in that sense. We also had like a, a major kind of capstone project at the end of the second year where we were pretty much like going through a whole design life cycle. Well, de yeah, design life cycle, not, not uh, like getting into the implementation phase, but we had mm -hmm. picked like, a, I forget how we, we chose, like we chose specifically a problem on campus, which was that, wow, I forget what the program is called now, but we have, oh, it was called the transitional year program. So we had this program mm -hmm. at U of T that basically their aim was to help people who don't have a GED or a high school diploma transition into a university education. So they're this office among like hundreds of offices at the university and they have a bunch of resources and, and help uh, basically get um, like prospective students university acceptance and, and also mm -hmm. our, their goal is to like help them stay in, in university. So we had like this capstone project of looking at that service and like everything from mapping the initial journey to identifying like what the pain points are and what the issue is with the service and not only mm -hmm. with the service but also like with their website and all of the collateral that they were offering um and the end like output of that was a like a pretty detailed journey map um but b like a bunch of actual material and recommendations for that office and we worked really mm -hmm. closely with them so that was it's pretty practical in that okay. sense yeah and then you did this co-op. So co-op was actually with company. Yeah, co-op was with a real company. That was the last place I worked, actually. So I, I yeah. started there on a, honestly, like 
didn't really think that they would entertain the thought. Like I reached out because I had a, a friend who worked there, um, who'd been working there for a couple of years. And uh, like when you have any friend who works at a really new startup, you kind of question like, is this a real company? Yeah. Um, but I just kind of wanted to try anything that wasn't banking. Uh, mm -hmm. So I reached out to him and uh, asked if they were looking to build out their product team. Cause at the time they just had um, a marketing team and a graphic designer. Um, and mm -hmm. they were pretty much the points of contact working with engineering to like dictate what should and shouldn't fly on the uh, actual product, which is wild. Um, them right. and obviously the CEO at that stage, um, they're kind of the de facto product manager. Mm -hmm. um, and they hired me. So I was kind of, I started working under the marketing department, pretty much with a UX focus. So it was, was, early days, like they weren't even using Jira yet. They were using like Fabricator. Um, and we were just, Fabricator. yeah. Have you heard of it? No. It's another, I mean, it's a like pretty, I guess, unknown, like it's another project management software, sim really similar to Jira, just like not as kind of widely accepted, not as user-friendly. And yeah, it was basically very early days. Like the, the methodology was like scribbling on a whiteboard, Myself, the graphic designer and the engineers like in the corner kind of uh, helping us along and uh, yeah and then kind of saw that grow into an actual product team which was cool that's cool yeah. so did your like philosophical degree help at all in like I don't know maybe it's something stick to you from your university yeah no, yeah so I mean, you use? yeah yeah like everything sticks. I'd say like the biggest thing that's stuck is like, like the communication skills uh, that are like really transferable, mm. like having to go from, how do I put this? Like there are definitely parallels when it comes to parsing and kind of reflecting on a really dense yeah. philosophical text. There are parallels between that and like communicating around requirements for a really complicated product. Like, I don't think that I was ever at a loss for having that degree. I think it's only helped me kind of a communicate more clearly and, and B make sure that there's always like a sound rationale for every decision yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm arguing for. Um, is, so that's is, kind of the, is it harder to do it with, with material from university because it's kind of ambiguous all the time when what do you mean? In product, if if I have to explain like, okay, we go with solution A or versus B in design, I can clearly explain why and we have goals and stuff and what yeah. they need and I talk to them. But when it's some material from some philosopher or from just text, I have to analyze it. It's probably very hard. Yeah, but like the author also has a pretty clear objective. You know, they have an agenda or a thesis and they're trying to like posit evidence and and arguments that work towards that kind of main thesis and there's mm -hmm. definitely like a parallel there i would say like the benefit when we're working in product and design is that we also have data and evidence on our side mm -hmm. which like was the case with you know some philosophers and thinkers that i had read in undergrad but not not all like uh we were we're kind of steps ahead of the like empirical instruments at our fingertips when you compare it to like Aristotle. Um, so yeah, that's a benefit. Like we have more tools, but I wouldn't say it's uh, yeah. This is, this is interesting. And about banks, 
yeah, I think all designers start with bank. Yeah. <laughs> I had four. Yeah, I think I had four banks that I work with or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. There's like so much to learn there and it's consumer facing and, uh, you know, like there's also the benefit of kind of you are the user. So you have that yeah. benefit. There's also like a standardization there in terms of like what feature parity is kind of expected. That's helpful, but it's not like a problem that I was really like interested in solving. <laughs> yeah. Like there's people thinking about optimizing mobile banking. Yeah, they pretty much always have to be the same. Like if you're talking about customer yeah. UI, they have to be the same. Yeah, exactly. All of them. Yeah, more or less the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, except I guess one uh, strange project we had. There is like top heads getting together and I don't know, is this the, did I sign something? Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I didn't, I, I did, yeah, I think I didn't sign NDA, so it's fine. And like top people sit together and I think there is like a pool of decisions that they need to make and they have this application or on tablet when there is like, here's hypothesis or whatever, there is evidence, there is these things and they vote. So it's like, it feels like it's, I was designing up for, I don't know, some secret, <laughs> like secret company, like of people who decide destiny. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like um, that's so bizarre. Like what I'm trying to think of what the context would even be for using a tool like that rather than like having a meeting. Uh, so they have a meeting. That's the like, point. They have a meeting. Is, okay. They all sit together on with tablets and okay. it's just kind of all notes there. So like, okay, there's, there's moderator who's like, okay, today we're going to talk about this thing. Here okay. is like topic of voting, like first voting, second voting, third voting, but it's like yeah. a massive bank. It's like massive. So you have tons of things there. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be budgeting or whatever. Yeah. That's so, have you heard of Slido? There are Slido for sure now. apps like that. I've used one. There's an app called Slido. Um, my friends and I use it. Like we have, this is funny. This is probably the biggest takeaway from my philosophy degree. My friends and I have a philosophy club. And we will like read different texts and then kind of vote on questions that are central to the text. So like we'll read a text and then someone will be in charge with coming up with like a list of statements that are, that we'll respond to from like strongly agree to strongly disagree. And this mm -hmm. app Slido, you can basically put in like a question to poll. You can like start basically a room by entering a code everyone can kind of join your Slido room and you can uh -huh. vote on different questions. And there's like different, like we do a sliding scale, but they have like true or false, or you can respond with text or things uh -huh. like that. That seems like it would have been good for your bankers. They're just, it's like to facilitate the voting. It's yeah. For, yeah. For all that. I'm just saying like, there's all those kind of apps that we've made that just for a backend of the, it's not, yeah, it's not back house. Yeah. I mean, it's cool because it's very complex interfaces. So I guess that's why I work here. <laughs> really cool. I never like thought of that angle to, to what, what it would entail being a designer at a bank. I always just thought like the consumer side. Yeah, exactly. Me too. And, but then, yeah, there's more to it, to it. Cool. So, so, and you were working as a UX designer there and then you became product manager at the company. Yeah. So I forget 
like what the exact trajectory was in terms of titles because at, at a startup anyway you're kind of like doing a bit of everything yeah right. um but it yeah it's sort of more from more of a uh ux design role to like a pretty natural transition into product management i think my why did that happen sorry why did that happen why did it happen that's a good question i guess probably because the team grew um like when i originally like when i originally started um yeah there was no actual like dedicated ux designer so we hired our first ux designer and then we hired a ux lead um and then there was kind of less of a need for me to be like in the nitty gritty of the designs like i was still involved in like the early design stages and obviously like kind of things like refining the designs, working with copy, um, making sure that we had like a functional uh, body of designs to provide uh, the engineers with, but it just kind of naturally transitioned towards being more of the liaison between design and engineering in terms of like actually delivering on the product. Um, so kind of ran with that, you got to be more specialized. But you actually, you, you started as UX designer there, right? So why yeah. why you guys hired another UX designer when you were Oh, there? right. Yeah, because my skill set was never really focused on like high fidelity or like being able to deliver on something like uh -huh. really polished to be customer facing. That wasn't like the nature of my degree. I learned pretty early on in my co-op that that wasn't really something like a path that I wanted to go down. Uh -huh. It's not my natural inclination. I wish but I just think like you kind of have to follow your, your natural gifts sometimes. And I'm definitely not, it's not where they are for me. I wish. Mm -hmm. uh, so you were more exploring when you went to UX design. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was lucky because the program I was in, like we did some high fidelity design work, like I mentioned, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, it wasn't like a prerequisite nor was it like the main thing we were being evaluated on. We were being evaluated on like really holistic design thinking and like managing the business objectives of a, of a project and managing mm -hmm. stakeholders. And that actually like in retrospect, they were really preparing us better for product management and the people mm -hmm. who actually chose to go into UX design. Um, that was usually a function of them being really inspired in terms of like the visual design aspects and, and honing those skills independently. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you transitioned. Yeah. So basically, you from even from the beginning, you were more on product side. Yeah, pretty much. Did you, did you like it from the I beginning? Did like, I like what from the beginning? Management part, product management part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I think I knew that that's kind of where my strengths were, like in, um, even in the projects that we were doing in school. It's interesting, kind of everyone sort of organically specialized. So we were all doing this like broad degree, but even when we were doing group projects, it was very, it was obvious like whose interest was more uh -huh. so in UX research, whose interest was more so like product management, like business mm -hmm. analysts. And, um, and then we all kind of took those paths, even though we had the same degree. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Even the early yeah. stages when you just like bunch of juniors and yet yeah, there's always like a person who, hey guys, this button should be red. This is, it's, it's ugly color. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, this is UI designer there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. 
yeah, so that was definitely the, the case for me. Like I really loved the research phase and talking at that time, they weren't customers, but like talking with stakeholders um, later on really became interested in that uh, and like pushing that forward in the company that I was doing my co-op at and definitely in like the early stages of, of design, like getting that first kind of ambiguous request or need mm -hmm. from business or from customers and then working through like that initial phase where like nobody knows what the hell is going on or what they're building that's right. like the best part <laughs> yeah that's the best part yeah you have open mind just totally yeah building yeah. castles uh cool so then you became product manager at the company and so like what did you wanted to uh follow there like you you now you realized i guess like oh i'm i'm product designer now or oh, product manager now mm -hmm. like what did you had in your mind there that's it's completely new job now yeah that's a good question um i was lucky hmm, i was lucky to have like by that point um they'd hired a product lead so i was lucky to kind of have his mentorship to really help me understand like what that meant because i i didn't really know i knew that like i kind of fallen into that role for a reason so it was going to be like something of a function of what i was already doing which was like you know, trying to push a product through its design cycle and make sure that we're design life cycle and make sure that we're, um, you know, getting pieces across to development and like some kind of orderly fashion and, uh, you know, translating those designs into user stories for the developers. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I really like, it was definitely a learning process of um, like figuring out the best way for the team to work together and like really mm -hmm. internalizing that like that was kind of my my responsibility um and also like a learning process for like all of the logistics that come along with the role like like i mentioned we we transitioned into using jira like while i was at the company uh -huh. figuring out the best way for the team to use tooling and uh, like the best way for us to be measuring success like that was all um like a, a definitely a learning curve Mm -hmm. came with a lot of like, I don't know. I don't know if this, if other people have similar experiences at startups, but you learn by like observing what's not working. Um, yeah. yeah. And that, that was kind of the only way. It's interesting. Do you think you like this job more because by definition, your job is to clear, everything should be clear, stated clearly when versus design or even back to philosophy. It's like, it's yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely my favorite part of the job is like absorbing all of the ambiguity and all of like the conflicting priorities and conflicting directives and making them into like an elegant, like sequenced like thing, you know, um, mm -hmm. like clarifying that ambiguity is definitely the best part. And also okay. like shipping great products, <laughs> like seeing yeah. something come out of the other end from yeah. nothing and understanding that it's bringing people value like that's definitely the those are the most rewarding parts did you knew like where product management manager leads to eventually you can get no and i don't know that that's like what was important to me i think um and i yeah i don't know that that's the case now either that like i i don't really define my role based on like where i see it going um mm -hmm. in terms of like the title 
I think not, um, not in terms of title. I'm more talking about motivation, I guess, as well. Yeah. So like, yeah. For me, the motivation was way more around uh, like what kind of product org I'm working in um, mm -hmm. than around like with design also, like you can be a junior designer and still be really immersed and like meticulous about your craft um, and like really involved in the process and take a lot of leadership and a lot of ownership over your designs and, you know, do extra reading and hone your craft and things like that, like to me aren't really limited to any like part or like any phase in my career trajectory. Like I just know that mm -hmm. I want to be a better and better product manager every day. Um, and right now I want to be honing those skills like at Goo Goo and, and working in this product area and that in the future, I, yeah, I mean, I guess to me, the trajectory is like eventually potentially working in a different product area, but it's not really like, especially with what we do, like there's so much ownership and autonomy over what we're working on. Like the difference between like, I don't know, especially on teams that I've worked with our team, everyone works so closely, like you know, the, the difference between a, a PM or an SPM or a product lead is really like managing others and like helping mobilize your team and helping to motivate your, your fellow PMs to hone their craft. So that's mm -hmm. important to me in the future. And like, I definitely want to hone those skills so that I can help others do the same, but I didn't go into it. If you're asking like, did I go into it? Cause I wanted to be a CPO one day, uh, not no, really it's just i yeah. think it's something that always on back of your mind and for designer who want to be individual contributor in the future yeah. and i think at least in russia most people i talk to they like nah it's like it's yeah it's, it's great i love design but like it probably it's like i need to step up step up is our direct it's like senior director whatever it's direct yeah and, but why yeah but why it's like maybe because people don't know what is there because yeah. When you start design job, the most important for you is my design bulletproof, perfect, pixel perfect designs. And that's what yeah. I want to ship the most importantly. So yeah. I want to make sure my Big product. Asterisk there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel for you. <laughs> yeah, this asterisk there. So yeah. yeah. Exactly. For PM is for you, it was same i guess delivering great products and processes but i think you have to be access obsessed with processes yeah as a manager. obsessed with processes obsessed with constantly reevaluating like okay what's the objective like at every level like this meeting that we're in are we mm -hmm. actually having a conversation that's like in the realm of the objective we started right. with if not like let's refocus what did we work on this week? Was it towards our OKRs? Like constantly having to be that person who does that check and balance. And I think the higher up you go, like the less you get to do what you love sometimes. So yep. like, I'm sure it comes with like a host of other really exciting facets of the job. Like obviously more of a focus on scaling the team and hiring and, you know, making sure that everyone's empowered to do their best work and growing professionally. And like, those are all really exciting things. But if your favorite part of the job is, um, you know, being that guy who's staring at the interface and figuring out if the red button works or sucks, like you're probably going to get to do less of that. So it's a yeah. trade-off. So I'm not so focused on, on that for now.
yeah 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 and i think it's you you gotta lose then you realize like oh and i don't want to be a director i want to be individual contributor my ceo at my last company i always think of this like it really made me think he would we would be like in the midst of like some really grueling sometimes at, at i don't know have you worked startups before oh yeah 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 so you know the like everyone's been working towards this one product for a month and you think you know exactly what the direction is. And then the CEO comes in at the 11th hour, you're like about to ship, like the developers have already started, like they've opened their consoles and the CEO comes in and blows everything up. Sometimes it's for great reason. And then you're all like scrambling two in the morning, trying to like figure things out. There was like a moment during one of these really challenging, fuck this shit moments, sorry, language. That's really what it was. And I remember just like kind of commiserating with my team and my CEO was there. And he was like, guys, I wish I could be doing what you guys are doing. Like I wish uh-huh. every day that I could be a product manager and not doing what I'm doing. And that just really made Yeah. Did, like, did he, he had some background? He was an engineer. Yeah. I think it's the worst, like not the, the worst. If you, if you were an engineer and you were enjoying your, your, job and then you became like a manager and you not enjoy management part as much as you enjoy individual contribution let alone a ceo which is a really i'm sure a rewarding job but like a really challenging sometimes thankless job um and yeah if you're coming from a craft that you're passionate about that's that's Mm -hmm. tough to pull up but some people just gotta start companies they can't (laughs) can't help themselves yeah yeah it's it's also i i realized that there is a bunch of i think really great design ceos like with design background like they're really great i have no idea how they did it because i guess no i guess now i have answer if you're good at manage at you're great as individual contributor you love it but then you go to more management side and you also enjoy it and then you realize, oh, design is, it is important, but like shipping more important, accounting more important, keeping company floating is more important than design in everything, anything, right? So that's the most important thing and uh, keep company floating, especially in early stages. And like for me, every time if I, if I start to do like right now, I have different perspective on things that I ship. And yeah. I just like, what is bare minimum? You know, I start thinking this way more. Yeah. And yeah, when you, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I know some people who have just pure business perspective mm-hmm. and they never, they would never have the same issue. They would be like, what are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? Just kill it, ship it, you know? Yeah. They direct. You like, you mean like there's kind of less of a, like less of an approach around design thinking, like kind of trying to ship a, an MVP and like get, what do you mean by that? Like when designer care about, or, or engineer care about perfect library, uh, like, oh, we need perfect component library that I can reuse. It's like, it's not by guidelines, whatever. CEO will not care about it. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And you don't know that you have to care about it because you never cared about it, right? <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah, I would actually say that like, it's probably a huge asset, like having a, a design CEO, like for that reason, like oh, yeah. number one, yeah, like kind of attunement to the difference that those like little design nuances and like also process nuances make, but also like design thinking like is really applicable to like every facet of a company. Design thinking at the end of the day is really about like identifying what's not working and working iteratively to like improve on that problem. So you can, mm -hmm. I, I can see that being valuable in any department, like regardless of what the shortcoming in or shortcoming is or what the, what the problem is. It's really about like mobilizing, mobilizing insights to kind of shed light on that problem and, and come up with solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm reading this book about uh, Apple uh, Creative Process. Forgot the name. Uh, and they talking about uh, Steve Jobs. And yeah. I, I would think that Steve Jobs would be like, if you bring him two prototypes and what, like, they will, like, he will tell you, okay, this is, this is bad. We, it should be simpler. It should be, you know, whatever. Yeah. At least what says in the book, it's not the case. He trusted people more. He just in. The difference there I noticed that when people brought some prototypes to him, he would review them. Mm -hmm. And when engineer team thought, development team thought, okay, we need, like, we can, we can ship like two versions of the same thing. Mm -hmm. He would say, we need just one, right? And they will be like, oh yeah, actually, yeah, let's just ship one. So that's the, like, he just would cut the job help basically like if you don't if it's not necessary like why would you do it but he trusted development team a lot like the demos at least the demos that i example as example uh in the book it, it was very clear that he actually trusted people who bring demo yeah so that's the very good like because if your CEO is like design, if I was CTO, CEO, I would be like, okay, this is, doesn't look, doesn't look great. It's not clear. It's not clean. Yeah. No, I think it's an important part of, of scaling a startup too, is like making sure that you're hiring people that you can trust or else. I, I think that's like a, a place where a lot of startups kind of reach deadlock is like the CEO is still in the weeds uh, mm -hmm. while you're trying to scale. It's not really good. It's not, constructive for anyone so as a product manager do you so because you knew what's going there this is maybe not clean enough or the solution your goal is to ship solution that work i would say before that even the goal is like to to help empower the team to clarify the solution like i'm not sure what you mean mm -hmm. by that i think like an MVP can be imperfect insofar as like, we know that it doesn't address like the full scope of, of features that we would need to address this given objective. Like that's not, that's not the goal of shipping something. The goal of shipping something is to get something out so that we can see how it operates in yes. the real world and get feedback before we continue to execute on all of our assumptions. Like to some degree, you have to take some risk and execute on your assumptions. Like the, mm -hmm the data that you have at your disposal, even if you have like perfect analytics and talk to a million customers, it's always going to be imperfect. And like the best way to see how a net new feature and net new product performs is going to be like in the wild. 
So hundred percent clarity isn't really the goal for me. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. At least when it comes to the first thing shipped. So I heard, yeah, I also heard that good product manager is, it's like, it's not, it's not a glue, glue everything together. Yeah. They actually are the opposite. Yeah. They're not. That's what I heard. So they actually like, Hey, it's, I guess it's weird way to put it. You're not blocking. You're not telling your team what to do in a way you don't blocking them. You let them to do it. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. 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 It's about like enabling the team to work together. Yeah. Which can come with some kind of like trying to help redirect or realign and can come with, you know, trying to inject the right voices into the conversation to make sure that like, uh, like I'm thinking in the realm of like, for example, when we're working on admin mode, like making sure that we're continuing to involve like developers along the process because, uh, Mm -hmm. We're never the the experts in the room. We're never like able to see the full scope unless we involve the whole team. Um, but yeah, it's never around like, I don't think of the PM as like the person who's responsible for problem solving and figuring out like how everything is going mm-hmm. to work like neatly together. And then like translating that, like relaying that to the designers so that they can just like visualize the solution. Like I, I think it's more of a facilitation role for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where product owners so you know there's i guess it depends on the startup as well right like yeah we never yeah i can see the value like i mean from what i've heard or like and read in job descriptions and this could be wrong but my understanding is that it's it's more like product ops like responsible for backlog grooming and essentially like a scrum master yeah, I can see a role like that being helpful for like unblocking the kind of like day-to-day kind of more operative parts of the role. But at the same time, as much as I don't like love staring at like a Jira board and uh, like backlog, <laughs> it does kind of reattune you to like, it's a, it's a useful practice. They're useful practices to act as like a constant reminder to keep you like immersed in the product. Like mm-hmm. you can't, um, it's harder for things to slip through the cracks when you're also owning the product in addition to um, kind of being responsible for shipping new things. Yeah, I think it's op- it's opposite. Oh, is it? I think, no, I think it's opposite role. Oh. Like of product, it's kind of like product, I don't know. I, I work with product owners only like a few times, but usually like actual true product owner who had this title at least yeah but usually it's shared this share it's shared between ceo cto director of product designer lead designer product management manager Uh between all those people like i think that ownership thing is shared in smaller startups usually so like if it's like visionary thing so it's more of a strategic role I feel like I maybe, I don't know. I, I, I was hoping different. you, you can answer it. I was, I feel like I've seen differing job descriptions. I'm thinking like during, during my last job search, like I'm trying to uh, remember, but yeah, I guess it's, uh, I mean, we can do a quick Google, but it what I, seen, like it. I, I agree. Like it does sound like it would be a more strategic role, like owning the roadmap, um, that kind of 
Uh, product owner is a member of the Agile team responsible for defining stories and prioritizing this, the team backlog to streamline the execution of program priorities while maintaining the conceptual and technical integrity of the features for the team. So my, mm. my understanding is that it's more uh, of like an, an Agile kind of like Scrum mm. management role. Um, and yeah, I'm why? curious how they work with the product manager. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine like based on that definition, I can imagine maybe like a split of responsibilities based on like the product owner kind of owning sprint planning and backlog grooming and kind of those like more executionary aspects of the role and the product manager managing more of like the strategic, like mm -hmm. feedback collection, oh. understanding how insights like parse into the features in the roadmap, roadmap planning, working with design that would be like my guess. Yeah, it's it's very ambiguous to start some something. Always, it's always uh, the requirements ambiguous, and the solution could be you don't know what solution is, and mm -hmm. sometimes it's not what your customer asks. And for product manager, do you guys take less risks usually, or would you take less risk, or how would you? you mean like customer asks for something and like often design yeah. we say like the customer doesn't know what they want like in terms yeah, they of know what they want but that's not what they need yeah yeah exactly would you um, because i think product does product manager cut that I'd, like i try to keep that friend of mine for sure like all of the the feedback that we're gathering now like through admin mode like that's definitely been top of mind like especially when you're i'll take a step back first of all i do think that it's it's the product manager's responsibility to uh yeah calculate risk but that shouldn't mm -hmm. come at the cost of like delivering whatever is asked for like for the sake of appeasing the customer because again the customer doesn't necessarily know what they need and even if they think mm -hmm. solution a might bring them closer to objective a or whatever pain point they're trying to resolve it could really be solution B uh, or solution ABC. Like we never yeah. know until we actually like get into the, the process of evaluating those solutions. So yeah, I, I think it's um, lazy to rely on customers for your direct like roadmap. Um, I think it's like excellent to rely on customer feedback to inform your, your roadmap and to inform the, the features and mm -hmm. products that you're working on. It's like definitely mission critical. Um, but yeah, like it's so, uh, it needs to really be like fed through a filter. Like the, f the feedback that we get from customers is like ridden with bias. Um, mm -hmm. Like now what we're trying to do is really complicated because we're trying to build something like I'm talking about admin mode. Like we're trying to build something that has like a really clear parallel in a real world mm -hmm. product. And so that's obviously top of mind. And on one hand, it's really important for us to keep that top of mind as well, because we want to make sure that what we're building fits into these like existing kind of concrete processes and that it's like that switching costs are low and that it's like a desirable change to make. Um, mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we don't want to assume that just because customers have adapted to what they're using now and it appears to be working, that there aren't like some cracks beneath the surface. Like there could very well be like, significant process improvements, significant improvements to the product to make. And we need to, 
we have the opportunity now to catch those and to build something better. Yeah, because how 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 product manager will behave in a environment when your customer is saying, "Hey, I, we need uh, flying cars," mm-hmm. but that's that doesn't make sense. Well, flying cars does make yeah. sense right now. Yeah, maybe like, what they need is less traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they need holes under LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think it's definitely part of the the product manager's role to like figure out the best way to position those suggestions mm-hmm. to evaluate, evaluate those suggestions. Yeah. It's a lot of people management. Yeah. Which, which qualities you look for, uh, like good designer? Oh, that's a great question. What qualities do I look for in a great designer? I think top of mind is probably like, clarity of their own process, like Mm -hmm. understanding, for example, like when we're going through a a project that's like super ambiguous, like the admin mode one that we're working on now, I really like working with designers that see the value in like, in kind of stepping back first and defining like a roadmap of like jobs to be done for us to like find a solution to this problem. So someone who's kind of not necessarily process oriented, but like methodical obviously someone who uh, interprets feedback well and who can like, who's comfortable like throwing away, like not being super attached to their work and like throwing away and like kind of pivoting between different concepts, I think is really Mm -hmm. important in designer. Um, Someone who's a strong communicator and sees the value in collaborating, like not sitting in a, like a design studio silo, but, but like working with the broader team um, mm-hmm. I think our design team is awesome at that, like involving like anyone and everyone and going directly and like, and speaking to other members of other departments. I think that's amazing. I think that's a really good skill to have, like constantly having that feedback loop, even if it's not like the PM facilitating it. Mm-hmm. Empathy goes without saying like a strong yeah, sense yeah. of empathy, a strong, like sense of user centered thinking. Maybe this is like, I'm biased because I'm a PM, but someone who thinks like a CEO. uh, So someone who's very like problem and solution oriented, uh, people who are concerned with like identifying the problem and making sure that whatever we're designing is feeding into those objectives, Um, not just designing features for the sake of like an interesting or like exciting interface or feature set, Uh, like someone who's really honed in and again like methodical yeah 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 hard to articulate good designers are hard to find i'll say like uh, i think <laughs> you know is. really like really well-rounded designers who really take pride in like their holistic work not just like a a pretty interface i hate to say it um it's really tough yeah it's on on one side yeah they all there's many great designers like a lot of them but they all yeah. busy that's the problem <laughs> Yeah, they're super in demand. That's true. Yeah. And uh, another, what I was going to say. Oh, another thing is the your program for UX design. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of uh, UX designers, they put themselves in this, I'm a UX designer. That mm-hmm. Does it mean that you don't do UI? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say like that these days, at least my interpretation 
is the expectation. If you're labeling yourself as a UX designer or product designer is that you have UI design skills. Um, oh, yeah, you have. Yeah, I would say you do. Yeah. You would you say otherwise? Uh, no, I, I would say that I would never call myself UX designer if I know that I have UI skills as well. You know what then I mean? Like, it's, it's kind of like I, I'm a Figma designer, so but I also do prototypes. Yeah. It's like very, it's well, very narrow. Like I would consider if I had to split the two apart and I had a UX designer and a UI designer, I would consider UX designer is more involved in like the early design life cycle. So they're responsible for like gathering, like coming up with a feature set, low fidelity, validating those low fidelity wireframes, maybe like a low fidelity clickable prototype. Yeah. And then the UI designer is more responsible for like the rich interaction elements and the actual like high fidelity visual design. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like for you, would it be better to have like this distinguished? It's a good question. No. no, I think it's, um, no, I think it's, it's like definitely more demanding of the designer. This is why I say like, it's hard to find good designers. Cause I guess like my expectation is that like someone on a team would, or like a UX designer on a team would have both of those feature sets. Uh -huh. So it's, like, yeah. it's a high bar, but I also think that UI design without that UX design background and consideration is um, like, what's the difference between that and, and a visual designer or graphic designer that just knows how to use and like position web or mobile components? Yeah. I think that you are, you're missing the like rationale and like the full picture of the user story without the, without the UX consideration. That's kind of my whole point that like, there is no UI. <laughs> I don't know any UI designer who just does UI, mm -hmm. but like they ever like, I'm not just putting this button here. You know, I still will think, does it make sense? Or yeah. does it make sense or no? And UX designer who, who like claim themselves as UX, they also will do like, they also will say in an interview on in their CV, they will say, Hey, interface is important visuals are important mm -hmm. so i guess companies have both of them like two of them sometimes because it's just more predictable so you can have like roadmap more like granular yeah so you can have like a, i guess yeah like more split more split project plans more silos like there i mean yeah there's like something to be said of that i guess when you're splitting up the work, you're kind of forced to create deadlines because there are more dependencies. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can move faster, but... Yeah, I'm not sure if it's faster, but it's definitely more predictable since you have yeah. like UX designer, done, like make your job. This is what you need to do. Then continue with UI, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think I, if I want to be in that environment, it sounds yeah, very. Why not? I, I think it's like I, I've been there once. Yeah. As a UI, like I said, I was working with UX a company agency, yeah. and usually I was involved in full process, full cycle process, and was helping from the beginning. But sometimes there was a projects where they just asked me to like make it nice. <laughs> And I think that's a bummer and a waste of a lot of talent. So for sure. 
I can see how that would be like really frustrating, especially if you're, you're, you have a vested interest in the actual functionality and the actual like underlying UX. You don't just want to be like, not that there's anything wrong with like just pure visual design. Yeah. Obviously it's- that serves its role, but if, if you, yeah, if you have a passion for like the actual underlying product and not just pure visual elements, uh, that would be frustrating. Yeah, to me, to me, it's strange way to do. It. Yeah, like I don't believe it's it's the future. I don't believe it's. I don't know. Like again, I have one example when you have like big, big, massive company with with lots of A B tests or like A Z tests. I guess when you have like A to Z tests, then you have a bunch of small teams where UX designer. You just need a bunch of UX designers who will navigate you th- through like. You know, like, hey, let's do, let's try this hypothesis. Let's try that, and UI UI designs will work like above them on frameworks. Mm-hmm. Kinda, I don't know. It's, it seems weird. Yeah, you mean like the UI designers would kind of inherit like the problem statement or like the kind of underlying framework, and then they would be responsible for like A to Z different iterations of like how that framework framework could be expressed visually yeah 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 i guess they will work on with front-end developers on ui yeah. framework so like it forms. Feels like inherently collaborative with ux design to the point where i don't really get like where does the separation like where does it start and end yeah again maybe i don't understand it and yeah maybe there is on the other end if you have ui designer who got the prototype and task to make it look nice what if they have thoughts like this? Maybe they have a better idea and yeah. like, hey, I have another idea here. Yeah. If UX designer or UX like process allow that, then what is the point? Like, yeah. Or maybe they involved in the very beginning. So I'm not, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's the. I don't think that you can like so neatly extricate form from function in that way. Like I think that, yeah, that's that crossover is inevitable. So yeah. I'm glad we combine it. it. Makes sense to me, and I think it works for us. And I think it's like a huge asset to have, um, like the designers involved in, like the, like you said, like the full life cycle, like start to end of shipping a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, it's been over an hour already. Yeah, I think we can finish on this happy note. Note that yeah. we combine yeah. UX designer and UI designer. <laughs> happy note now we just need more ux designers yeah yeah we need more designers so yeah if you know some let us know (laughs) 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 all right alisa thank you very much for being here and doing this podcast thank you see ya cool bye 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 all right this was our third episode And I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And just a reminder, we have a website running, yaosamo.com, where you can get all the links to the other platforms. That's it. See you in the next one. Bye, everyone.